Well, hey there. The following podcast originally aired as part of our Millertime Radio Live radio program, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till noon, weekdays. And you can find more information on this radio show by visiting Millertime Radio on Facebook. There are links to all of our podcast sites there. Enjoy and be sure to share with all of your friends and family. Take care. Hi there, it's Sue Grant Marshall, Reading Matters on Radio Today, 1485 AM, and going out also on DSTV, Channel 869. And I know that people all over the world can hear us, and that's very exciting because the person I'm about to interview, well-known South African journalist, is Hilary Prendini Toffoli, and I'm on the line to her in Cape Town. Unfortunately, <laughs> she's at the foot of Table Mountain, so maybe it'll break a bit from time to time due to the mountain. But Hilary, hello, how are you? Hi, Sue. Good to talk to you. Just repeat that, Hilary. It talked to you from the Table Mountain. Yes, so it is breaking <laughs> up a bit. So when it does, I'm just going to say, please repeat, and then you know you've got to repeat what you've said. Um, okay. Yes, oh no, that's lovely and clear now. So Hilary, all these years in journalism, I first met you on the, was then the Cape Argus, the Argus, um, in St. George's Street when we both started, shall I say the year? Yes, 1967. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> We're both We're old. We're about 105 years old. <laughs> Hilary. And, uh, and then we've both been in journalism all these years. And um, this is your debut novel. And it's called, now let me just find it here. It's called, you say the title, Hilary. It's love, Loves and Miracles of Pistola. Yes, and as the name suggests, Pistola, I've been practicing it <laughs> this morning. Um, it is set primarily in Italy, although I don't think I can say that. Anyway, it's the coming-of-age story of um, Pistola, 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 um, and and he grows up with his grandfather because his mother died tragically, and his father has kind of disappeared. But we'll we'll get to that a bit later on. So his grandfather, this extraordinary character, now because of your <coughs> Italian pronunciation, Hilary, give give us his father's name, his grandfather. Mario. No, no, Mario. No, no, his grandfather. No, no, Mario. Yes. Loosely based on, on my husband, Emilio, who's Italian. Yeah, Emilio Toffoli. And um, so this little village, Campino. So you just have to correct me when I get the, um, you know, when oh. I don't say it correctly. Campino in the Po Valley is made up. First of all, obviously, of Pistola, Pistola and his grandfather. Um, but the most extraordinary characters, what I couldn't get over in the beginning, Hillary, was how many times they skin and eat frogs. I bet they don't do that anymore because this is set back in the 1950s. And what I'm going to do, Hillary, <clears throat> is read 
the beginning, the prologue of, of the book, the preamble to it, um, very quickly, because it really does set the scene. And I didn't know this, and I've known you <laughs> um, most of my life, and I didn't realize that in the ragingly racist South Africa of the 1950s, it was unthinkable for the train stewards who served early morning coffee to white female passengers in the sleeping cars to be black. The country's vast railway network extended into the neighbouring territories and there was a shortage of stewards. Whites considered the job beneath them back then. I bet anyone would grab that job today if we were back in that era anyway. So the Minister of Transport back then, Ben Schumann, decided that the place to get stewards was Italy where waitering was a profession. He had taken, he had Italian prisoners of war on his farm and he knew that they were good workers. So then, encouraged by the post-war Italian government, I mean post-war, getting any job was a struggle, much like it is today, interestingly enough. They were keen for their young men to get jobs and they uh, came out to South Africa, recruited by Ben Schumann, in Milan alone, more than a thousand applied to be stewards. Few could speak English, but they were all desperate to leave. So eventually, 110 young Italians arrived in South Africa. And uh, this part I love, Hilary, that it had an unexpectedly favorable consequence for South Africa because when the contracts, they signed three-year contracts, I think, am I right? Three years, yeah, they had a three-year contract. Yes, and when they ended, many left the railways to open restaurants that introduced Italian cuisine to people who'd never heard of lasagna and ravioli. And I love this part. The main experience of pasta was tinned spaghetti, often eaten on toast or leathery macaroni and baked by their servants, in inverted commas, whose dining options up until then had been limited to hotels and colonial-style clubs that served depressingly predictable British fare. Oh, I love that. My husband, Don, can't stand British fair and so you know when I first met him and I would dish up I suppose you would call it Hillary leathery spaghetti with tomato and a bit of cheese sprinkled on top he was horrified <laughs> so Hillary <laughs> taking the story from there young um, Pistola Growing up with his uh, grandfather who loved food. In fact, Hilary, throughout your book, the range of Italian dishes and fare is extraordinary, absolutely. And you clearly have been a willing pupil under your, <laughs> inverted commas, master, <laughs> Emilio Toffoli. <laughs> so is that why you wrote the book? You just wanted to do a lot on Italian cuisine. 
that, well, it, it actually started as, as that. It started as a book about food. And then I suddenly got the idea that I should uh, link it to the, the, the stewards who came to, to work on the trains. And I thought, now that is, that is brilliant. So the two things, his, Emilio's growing up in, in a little village, which isn't Campino. I gave it another name. But it was his, uh, his life in a village combined with the South African life of these, these stewards. Because I interviewed a lot of them um, the, when they were much older, finally, for a story I did in Style magazine. So that's how I actually got on to that story. It was, it was interesting. And they, they told me all this about the food. They, they made those remar that marks about the, the South African food, actually. They, they were ruder than I was, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you start off in this valley, in this little village. It is incredible the way you have captured the feeling in the 1950s of people living there because it's just after the war and you've got to say oh no Sue don't tell that story yet but there is a story about um, the mother of um, Pistola uh, can you tell that story because you know no I don't want to tell that story because oh. I think it's one of the it's, it's, it's part of it it's his whole interesting background that he only gradually in, in fact, he doesn't even realize in the, in the beginning of the book, he thinks he's an, an orphan and that's that. He doesn't know anything about his parents because his grandfather is, has been so devastated by what's happened that he, he doesn't tell him. So I'd yes. rather not tell that story. No. Okay, tell the one about, now who's Maysfield or whatever field did the plane come down in and someone got killed in that? Oh, yeah, that's the farmer Valetti. Look, these are real stories that, that Emilio told me that happened when, when they were there. The, this, uh, this, this British pilot came down over the mayor's fields and, and, and the, one of the very, the nasty fascists <laughs> rushed out and shot him as he was coming down in his, in his, uh, parachute and and i mean the, the rest of the village was horrified because you know most of these italians well a large amount of the peasants anyway were not not really didn't want to be involved in this war and 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 look had no strong feelings about the british but certainly didn't want to kill them in fact mo a lot of the peasants helped the the, the 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 allied soldiers on the run they fed them they, they they protected them at great risk to themselves you know when the war started to grind down so they, they were horrified about this and i tell that story about how the wife of the man who actually shot this this uh, british so airman coming down found his clothing, it was all covered in blood obviously, washed it all, kept it until the end of the war and then parceled it up and sent it back to Brit Britain, found uh, the, the address of his parents. You know, these are actually true stories. All true. I think that's why people quite enjoy this book because, you know, this, it's, it's got this, this authenticity about it that Amelia told me these stories. What an amazing story. And then... The, um, this particular woman who washed the uniform and everything and then found the address and sent it um, in the story goes over or she meets the family of, of this she goes M. back to Britain yeah she go she went back to Britain and 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 and, and, into, and met the family yes. I think she, she kept in contact with them over the years yes isn't yeah. that you know, it is incredible. These I love these stories. But anyway, back to Pistola. Now, some of the characters in this village included a coffin maker, a silkworm farmer, and then those who catch frogs um, for the town's local 
delicacy frog risotto. Um, and, and then uh, right at the beginning, what Pistola and his grandfather are doing is cooking or organizing um, the food for a wedding feast and sadly the wedding is going to be between <laughs> the love of Pistola's life. Now I say Teresa, what do you say? Teresa, well, well, I would call her Teresa. Teresa, um, who's absolutely gorgeous. She is um, Pistola's second cousin. And uh, anyway, they're organizing this amazing wedding feast. And then this is giving nothing away. But the bridegroom-to-be leaves. He just disappears. Why? <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> that's not a whole story. There's a lot of there's a lot of 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 stuff that I mean, I'm not sure that I want to really reveal. No, well, don't, don't. It's all to do with something that Pistola says to her about him. You know, that's there's a there's a, a bit in the book which is which is an important actually how the whole thing starts is where he goes and he and he acts in a, a play. He's an extra in a movie, and it's yes. a Fellini movie that. Um, and Visconti that that Anita was actually in. He was an extra on this movie. No. And at at <laughs> at that movie he he sees this um now this is the part that I invented obviously. The the boyfriend of this woman that he's in love with and, and he he deduces some something about him that he then goes and to this girl and the she has a fight with him and that's why you know listen that's why the, the, the marriage you know he runs away and the marriage doesn't looks as if it's not going to happen and then Pistola steps in I mean that's you know that's the whole I can't tell the whole plot of the story no, you can't no definitely <laughs> you know, what's not what's interesting are how many how much of this in, in, the, in that village is actually you know Emilio's real life I mean yes. and a lot of those people are, are relatives of his and he was a bit worried about how, how, how their, their descendants might react when they see the names of you know Zio Umberto who's the butcher you know always yes. has a good clean smell of meat around him and, and arms <laughs> like Palmer ham yes. and, and, and plays, a, plays a major role also in, in his life along with Nono Mario who, who is his grandfather yes. who can sing and so on and sings at the wedding look it's it's just lovely i had a lot of fun writing that emilio and i together because he's he's you know given me so much input yes. we just had a lot of fun and a lot of laughter because there's quite a lot of humor in that book oh hillary say. there is and humor is really one of the hardest things to write and you've managed it i found myself absolutely guffawing um, at certain parts of the book and then as uh, some of my listeners know I read at night on one couch and my husband sits on the other couch and then every so often reading your book I would burst into these peals of laughter and then Hilary to fast forward he does end up obviously um, Pistola in South Africa with a couple of his very close friends from the village and indeed they are trained to become waiters and they're on the trains between um, various places in South Africa, principally Joburg to, you know, Cape Town, etc. And um, I love that because that was, for me, growing up in Khabarone in Botswana, it was, this is how we traveled. We traveled on the trains with the green leather couches and uh, seats and beds. And you have captured that 
perfectly. I feel I'm back on that train with the waiters ringing their gongs and bells and sliding their gongs across the doors to wake everyone up for early morning coffee. <laughs> You've, you must have done a lot of research into all of that. Where did you go for the railways research? Well, I have to say, I just used my memory for the railways, as I used my memory also for the for the Africa and Europa, the boats that they that ca they came to Cape Town and to the to in fact uh, uh, Durban, Durban. They, they landed yes. on from from Venice when they left. Yes. I mean that that I'd been on and the, the trains I'd been on those boats. In fact, the Lloyd Triestina, which you have also travelled on Africa and, and Europa, yes. I travelled on five times, and I mean they were the most amazing trips in those days. Those trips, if you were recall were, were, were cheaper than going on a plane yes. so we all did those trips and they took about three weeks so you had a wonderful three-week holiday with italian food all the way through the suez canal i mean those were those were the days darling they were <laughs> and coming down stopping off at uh, mombasa dar es salaam mombasa, Beira, and yeah all yes. of those places yes. dar es salaam Yes, it was amazing, incredible. And another part you capture so well is Hillbrow back in the 1950s, because when they were in Joburg, that's where the three lived: Pistola and his and his two friends. And thank goodness he had those friends. He didn't feel so alone and so lonely. No, well, look. I mean, I think I think Hillbrow was for for a young Italian coming there. You know, he, look, he was eighteen. They were, they they were. I think it was exhausting for them and, and and a bit frightening because now you're stuck in a place where, you know, people look at you a, a very much as a foreigner. They were the the other people didn't like them. They got involved in various fights and so on because they would they would think that these these um, sharp 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 dressing Italians were taking away their girlfriends and I mean a lot of them told me when I when I interviewed them yes. you know that they, we would have to learn to to walk on the other side of the road from because they they would attack us these young young guys but, good gracious um, it was it was a very hairy time for them I don't and think they found it very easy at all no but uh, but they did want to stay on and that was when they stayed on after that They'd uh, done their their, um, their contracts and, and started all these restaurants, which is where they actually they actually started the restaurant industry in South Africa. I mean, without these guys, we wouldn't have had all these restaurants. Some of them started several. One, the one that I got onto the story, who was a colleague of, of Emilio's, I think his, his name was oh God. Can I remember his name? Um, I can't remember his name, but he had, he started something like eleven restaurants. Good gracious! In Cape Town was one of the. I, I can't remember all the other names, but um, you know they, they really did. They started a lot of restaurants, and the other one was uh, La Perla in Seapoint, which mm. was started by Emiliano Sandrelli. Wow. And I mean, that's still going. Yes. I think, if, and there's one in, in Fishhook, which is still going, and it's still run by the same guy, Bernardo. He's got a pizza, a pizza, pizzeria in Fishhook, still running it. And his son runs a restaurant in Cape Town that everybody goes to a pizza restaurant. So, you know, there they, there they definitely set the whole for us. With Sue Grant Marshall reading matters on radio today and I'm chatting to Hilary Prendini Toffoli who married 
an Italian and came up with that extraordinary name which no one who's ever read one of her many features in many publications. As I say, Hilary and I started on the Argus, we went to the Star, Hilary went to Style, she's worked on so many South African magazines and sadly, as we've learnt uh, these past couple of weeks, these stables of magazines closing due to the current economic climate and of course the move from print to digital, what a different world it's it's uh, for us Hillary it'll never be quite the same will it <laughs> not being able to pick up a magazine because that's almost what we reduced to and uh, yes. yes and Hillary worked on Noseweek that extraordinary magazine and then she decided the time had come to write a book so she wrote the book as as, as she's explained with a lot of input from her husband and um, the cover has been designed by her very talented designer daughter Katerina Metcalf now but obviously was Toffoli and um, they live in Cape Town so they could work together that was thank goodness before the coronavirus struck us and um, the book is published by PRH Penguin Random House I think the emphasis there would probably be on the penguin um, and you can buy it depending on when you hear this program it's in store or online but it's going to cost you you know when it's printed which is going to be in about august so look out for this gorgeous cover uh, in the stores in august but meanwhile go on to it online and it'll cost you when you buy it and print about 230 rands far less on digital you can get it on amazon Hillary's many friends and relations all over the world are already buying it. So there you go. Now, Hillary, coming back <coughs> to the story of um, Pistola, I was quite surprised, and I'll be very gen general about this. He is at one stage living in a sort of a, not a boarding house, uh, you know, in Cape Town. Uh, it is a boarding house. What is it? It's a boarding house. It's a boarding house run by Becky Bloom. Yes. It's actually based on a house I lived in in Cape Town myself. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> so, I with our house. I mean, it was actually our house, not a boarding house. Yeah. Oh, okay. And now, on the ship, when he was uh, 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 coming into Cape Town, he saw, this is Pistola, a gorgeous young woman. You, just, you described the woman, so I don't get it wrong, Hilary. What Malika? Yeah, she was a she was a young Muslim who just been to Mecca with her father, and um, and he and he, he he really he could hardly speak English when he met her. But by the time he he got to Cape Town, having lived in Joburg for a while on the train, he got he was sent down to Cape Town. He decided he wanted to try and track her down. So he goes to what is now the Boer carpet in those days was called the Malay Quarter, and he manages to to find her. I'm not going to tell you much more about it. Well, then that's who, but you know, he, he he's in Long Street with uh, um, uh, Abdullah uh, Ibrahim playing at the Vortex. He goes to the catacombs, which you and I remember these places. Yes. I mean, these were, that's why I had such fun going back into my youth, all the places we used to go to in Cape Town. Yes, it was, and so. <clears throat> 
Well, I think I can say that, uh, you, you know, the 50s, 60s, well, right through to the early 90s, there was such a thing as the Immorality Act, and you could not have a relationship with someone across the color bar. You could end up in jail. And when Pistola is, is, is told this, warned about this, he takes it with a pinch of salt because he comes from this village where everybody mixes and there's no such thing as if you're a different color, you can't have a relationship with them. And he ends up in fairly dangerous waters. Do I have to leave it there, Hillary? You have to leave it there, darling. <laughs> Listen, you have to leave it there. Look, he didn't understand any of it because he went to Sophia Town uh, as it was being already knocked down by... by the the apartheid, you know, they yes. weren't Caspers in those days, they yes. were something else. But and he actually went to Sophia Town and he couldn't understand why anybody would want to smash down your houses. I mean it wasn't something they had explained to them a little bit when, when they came in the training college uh, that it, before they went on the trains that you know they explained the political situation but to these young Italians it, it was it was completely baffling so I mean he really didn't really know what he was getting into to be honest and I don't want to tell you I don't want to say what, what finally happened there with him because I think you know it's look he, 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 he ran afoul a, a of the authorities a couple of times yes actually and a friend of his or some another Italian, I can't remember if it was an actual friend, was in fact deported too, back to Italy. Um, oh yeah, well they wanted a strike, and that's, they really did strike, and they wanted, they also struck in, when they were in the training college because they wanted pasta, and they struck about the food, so, you know, Ben Schumann was, was extremely, um, he was extremely understanding and compassionate with these young, with these young Italians, and, and he said, no, we have to let them make their own pasta in the, in the kitchen, so they did. But then later on, then they wanted a strike when they were already on the trains. They wanted to strike for more money. So, that, so this time the authorities hardened and they sent some of the ringleaders back to Italy. Yes. Then listen, you know what young Italians can be like. Well, I mean, young, pe young people, young men especially. Yes, mm. of course, of course. So what <clears throat> the sense that um, anyone listening to Reading Matters, Sue Grant Marshall, chatting to Hilary Prendini Toffoli mm. about her first book, the, um, I always say it the wrong way around, The Lives and Loves of Pistola. It's probably... Lo lo loves, loves and Miracles. Okay. Loves and Miracles of Pistola. Loves and Miracles. And it's loves plural. It's love plural. Yes, for a very good reason. <laughs> and what we're getting from the, our conversation, Hilary, is that each chapter, as any good author knows, which you now are, obviously, you end on a tantalizing note which forces you into the next one. This book <laughs> is laced with loves, plural, with pasta, with fantastic Italian cuisine, glorious Italian names and descriptions of, you know, this Italian village and Cape Town and the back then Malay Quarter. We also traveled to LM, as we used to call it, Lorenzo Marx, Maputo. So we get around in this book and all the time there's a mystery at the heart of it. And we're not going to go into that, but obviously it is about uh, Pistola and, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the book. Uh, Hilary, don't get a shock. I love the way the book ends. I will say no more than that. I'll be very careful. And the book is published by Penguin Random House and a 
you can get it online right now. It's being bought all over the world by Hillary's many friends and family. And so you can get it. Go to Amazon. I have just Googled Amazon and there it is. And there are two fantastic reviews already under your book, Hillary. I never, well, yeah, I, I did. I had a look at the one, in fact, and then I, I haven't heard that there were two, but I'll go yes. have a look. That's fantastic. Yes. I mean, who knows? You know, one writes a book and one never knows how it's going to be received. Yes, well, the second one's even more full of praise. So you, the minute we finish our conversation, <laughs> get... <laughs> I'm rushing to look. <laughs> get, get thee onto Amazon and look it up because it's... <laughs> so, Hilary, I wish you all the luck in the world with this book. I know you have you've nearly finished your second one. You're working on a third one. There was a fourth one you wrote, which has yet to find a publisher. I have no doubt it will. Um, it is. I think this uh, the the book that you know will be published one day. I have no doubt was taken from your grandfather's diary in the say in the siege of Ladysmith. Am I right? Yes, no, that was very loosely based on his diary. Yes. But, um, you know, it's, it, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's in the diary format, which I think is uh, it's between a couple of talking about, you know, the ma a man and a woman and, and the difficulties. And you see the, you see the siege through their different eyes. And I'm not sure if this actual diary format is what, what so far the rejections have been about. I don't know, but they don't seem to like that. But I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on that one. Right. <laughs> that makes you a very real uh, author, Hilary. And, but this book about Pistola was snapped up by Penguin. I mean, they fell on it and rushed into uh, production, didn't they? They did. Well, I mean, they they even seem to appear to be trying to see if they can sell it abroad as well. So, which is rather nice. I mean, they feel that it's got um, it's got international interest. So, you know. Um well, of course it has, least, not least in Italy and in places around the world where there are large communities of, of Italians. So I don't know whether the Italians, the Italians don't tend not to read books about themselves. Like they don't go to the, uh, the Italians don't go to Italian restaurants in South Africa either. They're funny, the Italians. But, um, you know, I mean, Elena Ferrante, the Italians were not reading her books until the Americans took them up and then then she then it, she became popular in Italy so you know you never know with the Italians they're, they're a quirky bunch <laughs> that is so funny and I'm going to leave it there that humour that quirky humour which you've just heard from Hilary Prendini Toffoli is the book is laced it's infused with that humour with the drama with the food with a coming of age of Pistola and his delicious grandfather Father. Oh, I just love that grandfather. <laughs> He's a very sprightly grandfather who, who yeah, let's, let's say he loves life. Yes. <laughs> and women, yeah. And mm. women, yes, yeah. And not necessarily in that order. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Sue. And, and good luck with the other three novels that you're working on, Hilary. And we'll talk again when you finish them. Okay. Cheers. Super. Thank you. That'll Bye. be great. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye, Hilary. Bye. And in the remaining 15 minutes that I have, I'm going to tell you about two coronavirus books for children published, one in England by Nosy 
Crow. It's a publishing house, N-O-S-Y, like your nose, Nosy Crow. And that's called Coronavirus, a book for children. And that's for kids between five and nine years of age. And then there's a totally international one, My Hero Is You, storybook for children on COVID-19. Both books are free. Both books can be downloaded off the internet and um, you can print them out easily. I printed out the one because I got so excited about it. I wanted to read it and have it in front of me to tell you all about it. And, um, and then I'm going to tell you, if I've got time, about a book for adults um, to read during lockdown. And, and then I'm going to tell you something else if I've got time. But let's start with... My Hero Is You, storybook for children on COVID-19. And this was published on the 31st of March, obviously this year, (laughs) it being COVID coronavirus year. And now this book was a project and it is published by and developed by something with such a long name, but hang in there. It is the Interagency Standing Committee Reference Group on Mental Health and Psychosocial Support in Emergency Settings. Oh my goodness. IASC for short, I think. I'm just going to say that. It has the most gorgeous illustrations and it has been translated into Arabic, Chinese, French, Russian, Spanish, and obviously it's in English. I wouldn't be able to be reading it to you. And so I'm going to, oh yes, let me just tell you that the reference um, group uh, gives you a number, uh, uh, an email that you can go into to look it up, and it's M for Mary, H for Harry, P for Peter, S for sugar, S for sugar dot, ref group, short for reference, R-E-F-G-R-O-U-P at gmail dot com because they're going to translate it into other languages as well. Isn't that simply extraordinary? Now, as I said, the illustrations are just absolutely fantastic. And so it starts off with a little girl called Sarah, whose hair stands straight up on her head, very black, long, (laughs) standing straight up on her head, black hair. And her mum has got what I suppose would be an Afro um, hairstyle, but it could be anyone. And it starts off with Sarah's mum is her hero because she's the best mum and the best scientist in the world. But even Sarah's mum cannot find a cure for the coronavirus. What does COVID-19 look like? Sarah asked her mum and it starts off with her sitting on her mum's lap. And um, and she's got a drawing of what she thinks is COVID-19. And so her mum says it's so tiny we can't see it. And Sarah asks, so we can't fight it because we can't see it. Oh, we can fight it, said Sarah's mum. That's why I need you to be safe, Sarah. The virus affects many kinds of people and everyone can help us fight it. Children are special and they can help too. You need to stay safe for all of us. I need you to be my hero. So 
Sarah laid in bed that night and she did not feel like a hero at all. She felt upset. She wanted to go to school, but her school was closed. And she said, heroes have superpowers to her. You know, she said that to herself. What do I have? Suddenly a gentle voice whispered her name in the darkness. Who's there? Sarah whispered back. What do you need to be a hero, Sarah? The voice asked her. I need a way to tell all the children in the world how to protect themselves so they can protect everyone else. So what do you need me to be, the voice asked. I need something that can fly, something with a big voice, something that can help. And with a whoosh, something amazing stepped into the moonlight. What are you, gasped Sarah. I'm an Ario. It's spelt A-R-I-O, so that's Ario or Ario. Who knows? I've never seen an Ario before, said Sarah. Well, I've been here all along, said Ario. I come from your heart. If I have you, then can I tell all the children in the world about the coronavirus, said Sarah. Yes, then I can be a hero. But, she said, is it safe to travel with the coronavirus around? Only with me, Sarah said. Ario, nothing can harm you when we are together. And then you see, it looks like a cross, this creature, um, between a red hen. It's got the face sometimes of uh, of a cow. Or a unicorn, because it's got a an, you know, a horn in the middle of its head. So they go to the pyramids in Egypt, and there's Salem there. And they chat to each other, and then Salem climbs on Ario's back and soars into the sky, does Ario. And then they end up with a grandparent, because grandparents are absolutely fantastic, They tell everyone, uh, little children that is, about how to be safe and then they soar down to earth and land in a small village where a girl is sitting outside picking flowers and she is in a wheelchair picking flowers and there are two little bunny rabbits in the garden. Oh, this is so gorgeous. Let me remind you that this book is called My Hero Is You, How Kids Can Fight COVID, COVID-19, and what you do is simply go into your, go onto your Google or into your computer and type in my hero is your, my hero is you, storybook for children, by IASC, and up it will pop, and you can download it and print it out, because I did that as easy as anything. So let's just see what else I've got here. Um, So then it's all about washing hands with soap and water, and they end up in Egypt, as I've said, and they end up in Syria. Oh, it is so lovely. Then there's a night sky, picture with the kids on the back of Ario flying through the sky, starlit, and there's a huge moon, and there's a, the Sarah, the little girl, climbed on his back as well. Let me just see. So I think I've told you enough about the story 
um, it's very safe, obviously, <laughs> it would be. And it ends up with dear little uh, Sarah being back home in a bed with Ario by her side in the bed. And she's got, she quickly drew pictures of places they'd been to. And then her mother walks into the room and she runs to tell her mum, holding the drawing, to show her mum and to tell her the news. We can help all people be safe, mum, she said. Oh, Sarah, you are right, said her mum. And she hugged her and hugged her and said, you remind me, Sarah, we can all be heroes every day. And my biggest hero is you. Oh, this is such a lovely book. So there you go. I'll repeat it in case you just came. It is published by online and you can print it out. IASC, which is the Interagency Standing Committee. And it's a group with on men, it's, it's mental health and psychosocial support in emergency settings. Over 1,700 children, parents, caregivers and teachers from around the world told the ISAC group how they were coping with COVID-19. Then there's another book. This is British. As I mentioned earlier on, it's published by Nosy Crow, N-O-S-Y-C-R-O-W. And so that's nosycrow.com. Again, it's free if you or any of your children have ever read books published by Axel Scheffler, S-C-H-E-F-F-L-E-R. And of course, you'll remember, I'm sure, the Gruffalo. So he illustrated those. Now, this book also, you can download a copy, print it out and uh, read it to your children. And it's fascinating how these different experts have uh, become involved. Do you know it's also published in Afrikaans as Coronavirus, a book for kinders for Tal Dur, Jaco Jacobs. Yako Jacobs. And then you can click there once you've pulled up. Now, the book is written by Elizabeth Jenner and Kate Wilson, as well as Nia Roberts, and illustrated by Axel Scheffler. And the front cover you can't miss because there it is Coronavirus, a book for children. And you see these uh, kids on their computers in front of an atlas. They learn about all sorts of different places. So Alex uh, Scheffler, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, he says, he wrote, I asked myself, what could I do as a children's illustrator to inform as well as entertain my readers here, being in England and abroad? So I was glad when my publisher Nosy Crow asked me to illustrate this question and answer book about the coronavirus. So that was his input. Then Professor Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M, Medley, M-E-D-L-E-Y, Professor of Infectious Disease Modelling at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, said, this pandemic is changing children's lives across the globe and will have a lasting impact on us all. Helping children understand what is going on is an important step in helping them cope and making them 
part of the story. It's something we're all going through and it's something not being done to them. Okay, this book puts children in the picture rather than just watching it happen. And in a way, that makes the scary parts easier to cope with. And Kate Wilson, who's the managing director of Nosy Crow, by the way, as I said, that's a British publisher and they've won all kinds of awards for children's books. And she said, we want to make sure that this book is accessible to every child and family. And so the book's offered totally free of charge to anyone who wants to read it. However, we have suggested that families might want to make a donation to help our health service if they find the book useful. Now, here are some of the questions that are answered in the book. What's the coronavirus? How do you catch it? What happens if you catch it? Why are people worried about catching it? And so it goes. What can I do to help? What's going to happen next? So there you go. This is from nosycrowoneword.com and it's free. And lastly, I'm just going to mention that Exclusive Books has a sale. You can go pop into the bookstore. 55% off selected titles. It ends on the 7th of June. So lots of time to get into Exclusive Books, which you can do and access some of the books on their sale. And if you don't want to go into Exclusive Books, Uber Eats and Exclusive Books have got a partnership now because, as Penn South Africa said, you can't just feed people, you have to feed their minds as well. So isn't that fantastic that Exclusive Books and Uber Eats got together? So there's several books. Go um, access Exclusive Books on their uh, book site, which is www.exclusivebooks.com booksoneword.coza and you can see the books that they are specifically going to distribute through Uber Eats so you'll get your food for your body from whatever restaurant well I suppose the restaurants have to want Uber Eats as well as exclusive books isn't that exciting right well I hope I've left you with lots of food for the mind food for the body with the books today it's cheers from Sue Grant Marshall, Reading Matters on radio today, 1485 AM, going out on DSTV channel 869, and I will catch you again next week. Cheers.